Shout out to the presenting sponsor of Family Trips, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Hi, Pashi. Hi, Sufi. This is a very exciting episode. Are you excited for it? I am. This is our first listener episode where we've asked you, the listener, to help provide us content. Yeah. It's really taking the pressure off of us. We're sitting here looking at each other, and we're about to hear these stories for the first time and react to them as we're lucky enough to give them a listen. I should note what I love about getting feedback, hearing stories from listeners. You know, on late night, I started doing this thing called corrections where I read each week, I read all the YouTube comments. And then after the show on Thursday, I record my response to all of the comments. And it is truly a delight to interact with the audience that way. It's been really fun. Yeah. Is there some negative stuff that people are writing in? Like, it's sort of all in good fun, but there must be some stuff yes. that's like mean. Yeah. You know what? The reality is now everybody, it's a bit of a performance. Uh -huh. I think people who like the show are being, pretending to be mean people to try to get a reaction out of me. Right. And then I pretend to be frustrated. Yeah. I feel like we're all just playing our parts, which is nice. Yeah. I should note, and I know you're going to blow your top when I say this. Corrections is also a podcast. And if anybody listening to this wanted to check out Corrections, I know you've said time and time again, don't use this podcast to plug my other podcasts. Yeah. Is it bad that I didn't know it was a podcast? I, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's weird that I, you and I are podcasting together and you have no idea that I'm like doing other podcasts. Well, I kind of do, but it seems like you, you're you're really getting into this space. Corrections is just repurposed correction segments. There's no new podcasting. So I, I'm going to give you a pass. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to say you're sorry? I don't know that I can say I'm sorry for something that I just didn't know about. It's, I've, I've just learned. I've just learned this. And Okay, great. I don't know. That means a lot to me. Thanks. Uh <laughs> 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 we asked people for their Labor Day travel stories or, or any sort of travel that happened at the end of the summer. That was all we gave people. And uh, thank you for everybody who uh, called in and left these messages. Let's let's take a listen. Real to the first quick, one. real quick, before we do, I just want to say it's a very specific ask to be like, give us your best yeah. Labor Day stories. I agree. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we're going to learn something about our question based yeah. on these answers. Yeah, it's a very. It's not like, hey, tell us about your summer vacation. It was Labor Day specific, and I don't know. You know, we did also say any any kind of summer travel yeah. stories, but. In the future, would you say, tell us the worst thing that ever happened on a boat? Or do you feel like that was, that's also too specific? Well, I feel like that's also going to lead us to some like sad, tragic stories. In the future, <laughs> for anybody, don't leave us, don't leave us sad, tragic stories. Yeah, you can. They're probably going to get filtered yeah. out because we want people yeah. to have a good time here. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe eventually this is a podcast that gets down to some real deep, dark stuff and helps people work through things. Maybe it's like HBO's Barry, where it starts as a sort of light comedy and, and works its way to the uh, darkest show on television. And I, but I should st stress, I'm a huge fan of Barry. Yeah. Also, spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're going to start putting that at the beginning. I've been... Of the, of the spoiler. I've been listening to Barry the podcast. Is it also... Oh, so you knew that was a podcast. Oh, I love, I love the Barry podcast. All right, let's listen to our first story. Hey, dudes. One, massive fan of, of the pod. My name is John, and just really, really, I try to connect anyone I can with it. So I'll try to make it super quick. I grew up on Long Island, which is about 45 minutes out of the city. And instead of heading to the city on the summer weekends, my family would drive us out to Montauk. Now, I'm one of seven kids. I'm the youngest of seven. And it was always just utter, utter chaos in the massive green 
station wagon that we took out east every weekend. But uh, anyway, on the way home, this one time we took my grandma with us. So it was my parents in the front seat, myself and my grandma in like the second seat in the, I think there was like third seat behind us. I don't remember how big this thing was, but there was a couple of kids there. And then there was like the way, way back, which had a couple of kids as well. So just anytime we were in the car, it was so loud and chaotic. Everyone was just screaming. And my parents were just so far up front in the station wagon that I don't know if they didn't hear anything or they just blocked it out. Anyway, so we're driving back after everyone's sunburned and my dad has like fresh fish in the car that he caught. Everyone is screaming <laughs> and we're close to home and we're on a main road and turning on to a side street. And I remember vividly turning, making a left-hand turn and I was sitting behind my father who was driving and my grandma was sitting behind my mother on the right-hand side. So we take this left-hand turn and my grandma is next to me. She was older than for sure. She felt like she was 120 then. I don't know how old she was. She was old. And then as we take the turn, my grandma is gone. And I did like a double take. And I start screaming. So I'm screaming and no one's reacting. And I'm like, grandma's gone. No one reacted. We keep driving. And I'm screaming. I scream again, grandma's gone, no reaction. And then finally on the third time, I scream at the top of my lungs, grandma's gone. And my dad just casually turns around, sees that my grandma has rolled out of the car. Like literally <laughs> the door, I guess, was a jar or something. And she'd rolled out of the car and she was just gone. And I was like seven or eight like traumatized that this can actually happen. My dad just pulled a U-turn, picked up the old grandma, put her on the car, and we just kept driving and no one ever said anything about it. And I realized at that moment that my family was chaos. Oh, oh that's just the best. That's incredible. Also, I will say, what a happy ending that someone said grandma's gone and it didn't mean that she was dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she could have been. She could have been. Yeah. And and I should say, uh, you know, apologies if that is a part of the story that was left out. <laughs> it doesn't um, sound like it that they drove it doesn't on. Sound I don't like, think it sounds like were. grandma's okay. I uh, the one detail I really wish I knew is was it the dad's mom? Oh yeah. Was he going was he spinning back to pick up a mother-in-law or was he spinning back to pick up his his own mom. Did he hear each time that grandma's gone and until someone else reacted? He was like, all right, fine, we'll go get her. <laughs> I have that that fear sometimes of cars of just like not trusting the doors. Yeah. Or I've driven like with a dog on my lap. And if they stick their head at the at the driver's side door, which I'm, must be illegal, but I sort of am always worried like this. What if this door opens? I feel like we might think that grandma was passive in this, but in reality, she might have been a very old woman in a car full of screaming kids and fish. <laughs> yeah. Thought to herself, fuck this, I'm out. And yeah. just on on a slow turn, realized that might be her best chance to pop the door and sort of do a soft barrel roll yeah onto the curb yeah and maybe this way someone will pay attention to me yeah someone will see me <laughs> on the side of the road <laughs> <laughs> the, the part of the story um uh, our kind listener left out is that uh not only did the dad have to make a u-turn and go back he then had to chase down grandma who was, <laughs> who was running <laughs> who was running and trying to wave down a, a car with less kids and fish in it yeah i feel like also it makes me nostalgic for the days of the station wagon. Like, yeah. I know there are still wagons, but now it, it's like, it's those, it's SUVs. Yeah. And there are station wagons, but I, I can picture that big green station wagon. They were such good cars. They were such fun cars. We never had one, but, you know, we had friends that did. And they were just always so great to get into. Yeah. Just playing Uno in the back of a 
moving vehicle. Yeah. We've had other other people use the expression the way, way back. And it whatever that part of the, the car was called, it doesn't matter. Everyone calls it the way, way back. And also that it was a place where where kids would regularly ride. I like too that the uh, the path forward that family chose was just to never speak of it again. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, you know, not that I, I recommend this, but obviously if you have a family member who's reached a certain age, you can move forward knowing that no one will believe them if they say that they fell out of the car. Yeah. And so you just you just don't speak of it and yeah. get away with it. Um, that was an A-plus story. Thank you, John. Thank you, John, and thank you for listening. I've never been to to the Hamptons. That's the Hamptons, yeah. That's the Hamptons. Montauk is the very end of it, yeah. That's That's what I think of when I think of the Hamptons now. <laughs> Of John and his family. <laughs> so that's great. So you don't think of extremely wealthy people? No. Now you, no. Yeah, you just think of, you think of gra- grandmothers popping out of state. <laughs> yeah. I've always thought of the Hamptons kind of with like, with some disdain for, uh, for what it, uh, what it implies. But now I, I kind of like the Hamptons a little bit more because of John's story. I, you know, I think the, the person I most associate the Hamptons with is Lauren Michaels, who, who goes out there. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to, Imagine him saying, you know, the best part about the Hamptons is, you know, just grandmothers popping out of cars. <laughs> Let's hear our next story. Last summer, I went to Yellowstone National Park with my family. And while we were there, we're driving in the middle of the park about 45 miles per hour down the road. There's no service, middle of nowhere. And I reached down to get a snack out of the backpack And when I reach down, the backpack kind of catches underneath the chair and I yank it up and the bear spray that was in the side little holder where you put a water bottle gets stuck under the chair and the latch comes off, the safety latch, and it sprays all over me. Now, bear spray is mace, but for bears. So it was the most painful experience I've ever felt. Of course, we had no water at all left, so I couldn't even rinse myself off. It felt like my skin had been dipped in hot sauce and it was burning all over. Thankfully, we were super close to a little lake where I laid down on the ground and my family just poured water on me for 45 minutes until I finally stopped feeling like I was on fire but it was brutal. Do not recommend spraying yourself with bear spray. Oof. I mean, my first thought, it does feel like an origin story in a comic book about someone named Bear Woman. (laughs) Bear Mom. Bear Mom. (laughs) Just who becomes completely, it's their- Mama Bear, Mama Bear. Clearly it's Mama Mama Bear. Bear. Their superpower would be immunity to bears, obviously. Yeah. Or, yeah, and then the ability to, like, have those bears come fight on your behalf. or uh, Oh, so it would give you control, sort of a mental, an Aquaman, but for bears, if you will. Yeah, I, that's, that's yeah. the way I'd go with it. <laughs> Do you think this is a cautionary tale of how close your snack should be while you're driving? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I know those, those safeties on uh, bear spray canisters and the notion that it would sort of get caught on something under your seat and released and then spray is just, it's horrifying. It's Does it seem like a lot has to go wrong? Obviously, I've never seen a can of bear spray. To it, it does, I would imagine it's pretty hard to get the safety off. So it seems like a lot went wrong for this to have happened. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, bear, bear spray's no joke. And, you know, you could definitely get that safety off if you were to encounter a bear, which I have not done. But yeah. You know, I was I was hiking in Glacier National Park a few years ago alone, and uh, someone who I knew was about to fly back to Los Angeles, and they had bought bear spray, and you can't fly with bear spray just because it's too dangerous and the pressure. And so uh-huh. they were like, oh, here, you can have my bear spray. And I watched a YouTube video of how to properly use bear spray. And then I was like, all right, here I go, and I'm good. And when I was leaving... Glacier National Park, I was walking out of my last trail and there was a father and a daughter who were hiking in and there were signs everywhere that said like, beware of bears. And they were like, are there bears? And I was like, I don't know, but here you can have this bear spray. And I did a quick, uh, 
course based on the five minute YouTube video I'd watched and I taught these people and I sent them off with that bear spray. But yeah, I can't imagine getting sprayed in a car. I can't imagine that everyone wasn't knocked out from it. From the bear spray, yeah. Yeah. I remember somebody sprayed, somebody accidentally sprayed mace in a homeroom that I was in in high school and like everyone was coughing and- uh, Who had mace in high school? I don't know. Somebody who was like, Worried about bears. Worried about bears. They're just worried about, I don't know, being, being attacked, walking I'll their car. I'll tell you car. this. This news about you can't bring bear sprays on, on planes. If, you, if you're afraid of running into a bear on a plane, that's just terrible <laughs> news. Yeah. Also, when that mace got sprayed in my homeroom, one girl was particularly like hit by it. And people were like, she's pregnant. And that was how we found out this girl in high school was pregnant. Oh, my God, because she got hit by Mace? Because, like, Mace went off in the room, and then it was like, my baby. And people were like, what? <laughs> it was, yeah. It was like, what a way to have to, like, tell people. Yeah. And then her baby was half bear. Yeah. Was the superhero mama bear? Did she say, bears to me? <laughs> what do you think? I think it's just a big, like, Rawr. Yeah, that's probably it. Uh, we carry a tick spray. I don't know. We're scaling it down. And hopefully you understand <laughs> at this point, the difference between Josh and I is um, I won't go anywhere where you need a spray for a creature larger than a tick. But we have tick spray in the, you know, in the door of our car because our kids go to camp and we spray them every day when they get out. And uh, our middle one, Axel, who, Josh, you know, is a liar <laughs> every day, will spray the tick spray in the car. And then you say, uh, who did that? And he blames it on Addie, who is two years old and incapable of it. Thank you for that story. And we're glad uh, you're okay after your um, terrifying interaction with the bear spray. Yeah. And I hope Yellowstone was great, aside from that. Next story. Hi, my name is Jennifer. And I think it was the summer of 96 or 97. And my brother had graduated college and was living in... Europe in France. And so my parents and I flew over to visit him. And when my parents go to Europe, they used to camp. <laughs> they had money to stay in a hotel, but they were cheap. And so they camped. So my mom would pack all our camping supplies and fly them over to Europe. So we always had massive bags of luggage with a cook stove, etc. So we had all this stuff on top of a rental car because the cars in Europe are very tiny and nothing fits in the trunk. So my dad had strapped down this massive black duffel bag on top of the car and off we went around Europe camping. And I don't know what we were doing, but we were on the German Autobahn and cruising along and <laughs> the bag falls off into the middle of the Autobahn where everyone's going 120 miles an hour, but not my dad because my mom won't let him go above like 80. So we pull over and everyone's freaking out. The cars are all trying to pass it because the people are coming from around a corner. So we decide, my dad decides he's a Vietnam vet. He's like, we got to get this out of here. And there's no cell phones at this time. We can't call the German police and help us or anything. My mom is like losing it with her, my dad, as she always does. And they're fighting. And my dad's like, John, we're going to sprint out there. We're going to grab it and we're going to sprint back. And my mom's like, you're going to die. You're going to die. And I start crying. And my dad was a high school track star and my brother was also in track. And so they're like, we got this. So they get out of the car. My mom's screaming at them not to do it. They literally stand on the edge like they're going to run an Olympic race. And I hear my dad yell, go. So they ran out into the Autobahn when they didn't see a car coming around the curb, sprinted, got this duffel bag, ran back. And the minute they ran back, a car came by like going 120 miles an hour. And then we just put it back on and continued with our trip as one does. And that was one of my favorite memories. <laughs> oh. That is a, a wonderful story, Jennifer. Thank you. Now, of course, it could have been worse, as we oh my know. God, it yes. <laughs> well, one thing it you know, in some cases, it's not a black canvas bag. In some cases, it's a grandma. <laughs> yeah, in that sense, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if this happened two stories before, yeah. if it's an Autobahn two stories before, forget about it. Yeah. There's no U-turn on the Autobahn. Now you ran track. Yeah. Do you think you would have had that sort of hubris in your mind to be like, I'm a track star. I can. I remember how I ran track. And let me just say, based on based on what it sounds like, John and, and Jennifer's dad, the way they ran track, the way they just avoided that car going 120 miles per hour. Yeah. I might have just missed avoiding the car going 120 miles per hour. Yeah. I think in general, anything that falls off uh, my car, my take is uh, it's gone forever. Yeah. Dad tells a story um, which doesn't make him look good, but there was a while when he and mom were riding bikes and they would go to these sort of like rail trails. And so they had the bikes on a bike rack on the back of the car and they're driving down the highway and one or both of the bikes just falls off the back. (laughs) And... So cars are swerving around and like, it's it's super dangerous to just like throw a bicycle from a moving car on a highway. Yeah. And he pulls over and I want to say a cop came and they got the bike back. It was a little bit dinged up and dad tells a story and he's like, and the cop came up to me and he's like, get bungee cords. And that's sort of the end of the thing. And it's like, yeah, or just like put the bike well on a good yeah. bike rack. And also, yeah, get some bungee cords and... Dad always says that like it's a revelation of, oh, this is the thing that's going to keep a bike on our car. (laughs) Or you definitely did something wrong. I should also know now's a good time to say dad did not run track. No, he did not. Thank God. Thank God that story ended with a a stern rebuke about bungee cords. (laughs) Yeah. I will say as well, I feel like every dad on vacation, whether he did or didn't, becomes a Vietnam vet. (laughs) <laughs> it went maybe in their minds. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. I think that, uh, like, it's a, it, it is a completely unearned honor that they bestow upon themselves. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like, uh, you know what I mean? Where they just all of a sudden, it's like, uh, they're just like, oh, we're back in the shit. <laughs> I do feel like if I grew up with, you know, Jennifer's father and yeah. he was like, we're doing this, there would be a greater chance of me doing it than if it were our father. Yeah, it did seem like John probably, a lot had happened up to that point where he knew that that whether he ran track or not, they were gonna go into the Autobahn to get that back. Yeah. And I'm very happy, uh, one, that you shared the story, Jennifer, and two, that, that everybody uh, made it out. I wanna point out that sort of like no man left behind sort of philosophy yeah. that comes with a lot of military people. Also, if they just made it back and it was a big black duffel bag, it sounds like they needed two people to go get it. Right. That one might have been too slow dragging it back and it could have been, yeah, catastrophic. The other thing I'm just going to assume is that the rest of the trip was way more rad having gotten a bag off the Autobahn. Yeah. Anytime you have a, a dangerous experience or encounter like that, it makes you feel more alive. Yeah. And so... Uh, I wonder if, like, if they were buzzing the whole time and Jennifer and her mom were, uh, or at least her mom was, like, Right, that's right, it. exactly. They had the trauma of having been on the sidelines and watching it. Right. Whereas, like, John and the dad had the rush of, we're going to live forever. Yeah. And how many, like, secret high fives they had uh, <laughs> for the rest of the trip. Uh, that's great. You took, a, you took German in high school, Josh. Can you say high five in German? High fünf. Fliegende Fünf. (laughs) Let's hear our final story. Hi, guys. My name's Angela from Portland, Oregon. And I just want to first say I've been really enjoying your podcast. And it's brought back a lot of memories. And uh, my memory was a very interesting trip that my brother and I took with my dad. We used to visit him in Japan every summer in the early 80s, where he was the managing editor of the Stars and Stripes military newspaper. So we were there in 1984 visiting him, and we took a trip within a trip. He decided at the last minute to have us go to the Philippines. So we went over with no shots, so we weren't immune to any of the tropical diseases. And we flew over in the belly of a B-52 bomber. And on the base, we were lent a car with a large American flag on it, which keep in mind, this was during the Marcos era, 
So we were like a big target driving around the Philippines. And when we were headed to the town, it was a town called the Go'o at the beach. We were stopped by gorillas on the side of the mountain because we were Americans and they were not pleased that we were driving around there. Thankfully, we managed to get away from that and got to the town. And the first day I promptly got sunburned, second degree sunburn, got extremely sick. My dad and brother went out to get some medicine for me and they were chased by a man with a machete. Then we went to a mountain town kind of to cheer up. We watched a movie at a naval base and we came out and there was a raging monsoon. Water was about a foot and a half high and we were driving back. There was the bridge we came over was washed out and gone and we almost drove into the water that would have taken us to the ocean. We found a, a hotel nearby for the night and when the man turned on the light, I would I swear 500 cockroaches went running under the bed that we were supposed to sleep on. So needless to say, it was an adventure that I have never forgotten. Oh, and I also got extremely sick. I don't know if it was Montezuma's Revenge or dysentery, but it was a trip I still remember and talk about to this day. Oh, wow. A fantastic disaster. I think the funniest detail is having a father who's an editor of a newspaper. Yeah. Not having any sense of how bad an idea this trip is. <laughs> like, obviously, an educated man who seems very plugged in. Yeah. Based on where, you know, he's stationed for his job, should have a sense of not the best place to go. Yeah. There's also, if they went to Japan to see him, like, there's so many there's so many places to go yeah. there. Idea, yeah, it's true. It's like, let's, but you know what? Let's get in the belly of a B-52 and <laughs> I know a place where there's machetes. <laughs> I know there's where there's machetes and the sun's too hot. And diseases that we're not immune to. I mean, that is really the thesis of this podcast. So thank you so much, Joanne. That sounded like the worst trip ever. And yet so much joy in her voice while she shares it with us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a nightmare trip to Thailand that I took alone years and years ago. And it was just like, it was a comedy of errors. Like there was, yeah. there was so little good that came of it, but it, it sticks with me. I feel like I learned it a lot of lessons out there. So I'm, I'm sure Angela did as well. I don't quite know how old she was when she took the trip. I can't imagine it's comfortable, but I would think belly of a B-52 at a certain age is a kick-ass way to travel. Kind of, but also... My fiance Mackenzie is a is a horse. She's an equestrian. She's she's not a horse. Uh, <laughs> I know we've kind of buried this over yeah, the course of this podcast. She is a horse. Um, you know what? It's it's a new era. People do things. They follow their heart. Okay. She's never flown with the horses. Sometimes the horses fly, and she was going mm-hmm. to Kentucky. Pegasus. Pegasi. What do you call? Yeah, uh, Pegasi. Uh, she was uh, had a client who was competing in Kentucky, I want to say. And so she was like, I've never flown with the horses and I've I'm curious to see it. And so sure. she flew out of, I think, Ontario, which is a sort of smaller airport out near L.A. And it was a weird time that she had to fly, maybe like three in the morning. And she said it was freezing and it was so loud and. Like the seats like were like jump seats. They were like, were not, there was no comfort involved whatsoever. And the horses all have sort of their own stalls and they, you know, have handlers who can come by and bring them food and water and things like that. But she, I feel like she did it once and was like, oh, I'm good. I would take a flight on a B-52 bomber, but I wouldn't expect to want to be doing it on the regs. Did like bad horses take their horseshoes off on the plane? <laughs> Should we do some horse on plane jokes? No. Yeah. I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Thank you, Angela. We're going to do a, a Q&A now as well. We also asked for those. We asked for the Qs. We'll provide the As. But first, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. This episode of Family Trips is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And Josh, we took a lot of road trips. I'm deeply resentful, regretful that we never did it in a car as nice as the Nissan Aria. I mean, it's comfortable, smooth ride, nice tech. Here's what the good people at Nissan have said about this car. It is a vehicle that has available 389 horsepower with instant responsiveness while simultaneously featuring a design so elegant It's literally described as timeless Japanese futurism. What I wouldn't give 
to be described that way. Literally, also. I don't know if I don't know if you could be described literally as timeless Japanese futurism. Maybe but, sarcastically. Yeah, but the but the Nissan Aria, literally timeless Japanese futurism. Real quick for our listeners, tell us a little bit about E-Force all-wheel drive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this E-Force. It sort of means that Nissan's advanced system that delivers a powerful and smooth drive, superior control and handling, confidence in all surface conditions, and comfort for all passengers. That is probably how I would have described it as well. Yeah. Or I would have just said it's super cool. Stop asking questions. Yeah. That sounds more like you. (laughs) Just just enjoy the E-Force all-wheel drive. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Family Trips. Go to nissanusa.com slash Aria. Now you, disclaimer voice, go. E-Force cannot prevent collisions or provide enhancement traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Josh, this isn't the first time we've talked about Element, the tasty electrolyte drink mix, but I'm telling you right now, huge fan. Yeah, so am I. It's got none of the junk that you get in a lot of other energy drinks. There's no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. But there's a lot of salt, and that's really important, not only for people like me, a workout warrior, Mm -hmm. but also for people like you who drink too much and wake up hungover. (laughs) I don't. I don't often drink too much, but when I do, it's nice to have Element there to sort of replace some of the stuff that you've lost, and you do feel better. And right now, Element is offering a free sample pack with any purchase, eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash trips. This deal is only available through our link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash trips. Element offers no questions ass refunds try it totally risk-free if you don't like it share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back no questions asked you have nothing to lose and that's for people like me exercise junkies and people like josh over drinkers (laughs) Uh, hi it's monique from australia um i know i definitely know that this has been explained before whether it was on um, Seth's show or somewhere else. But can you please explain again why you call each other Poshy and Sufi? All right. Love the show. Thanks. I feel like Poshy's the easy one, right? Yeah, Poshy's easy. It was just sort of Joshy Poshy. It was sort of a Georgie Porgy. Yeah. Yeah. Happened early. Josh was more social and cool in high school. And I remember once you were on the phone with a girl i don't know if it was a girlfriend or not and i picked up the other phone and said we call you poshy i thought i was burning you but then that is when your friends sort of adopted it as well as a nickname yeah also sort of in our life a lot of i feel like a lot of my friends from home call me myers which is weird nobody after that era does but also specifically when i moved to amsterdam to work for the comedy theater boom chicago you were there and everyone on the schedule of when you were working had a two-letter abbreviation for their name. But our director was Josie O'Reilly, and she was already J-O. And you said, oh, we'll make him P-O for Posh. So everyone in that era calls me Posh. Yeah. Or Poshy. So mine is uh, the weirder story, which is I had a friend. All right. This is – I'm sorry <laughs> I'm going to do this from the start. It's a weird one. My, My mom is a French teacher. We all got French names in middle school when my mom was a French teacher. My French name was Serge. Because of that, a lot of friends called me Serge. Then I started wearing a lot of Ocean Pacific t-shirts. There was an era in the late 80s, early 90s where guys who never surfed wore surf gear. Body glove, Ocean Pacific. I had a friend named Greg Henrichon who had always called me Serge or Serg. He then started calling me Surf or Surf Man. So that was what he would call me was Surf. Then, because he called me Surf all the time and was at our house all the time, my mom, in the same way she started calling Josh Posh or Poshy, started calling me Surfy. So then Surfy was by name at home. I know this is crazy and it's not even... We're not even halfway. Yeah. Also, you had an English teacher who called you and Alex Wilshire Surfman and Lotion Boy, I believe. Yes, that was also. Because you guys were attached to the hip. We were attached to the hip. So then I go to college and uh, I'm in a fraternity and we have a mail call at our fraternity 
And my mom, who to this day still writes uh, lovely postcards to her sons. My mom writes Surfy on the postcard to me. Nobody knows who it's to because it's a Surfy. And so the guy who's doing mail call holds it up. My mom also has terrible handwriting. No, she's great handwriting, but it's very loopy. and uh, It's loopy. Yes, I'm sorry. It's not terrible handwriting. It's very stylized. And yeah. if you don't know it, the U is almost closed at the top and the R kind of goes too far around. So not trying to be difficult. The guy who's doing the mail call reads it wrong and says, who's Sufi? And I say, it's not Sufi, it's Surfy. And he just throws the postcard at me and says, whatever, Sufi. And that stuck. (laughs) It stuck hard. It stuck hard. I told my mom the story. She immediately switched to Sufi. Everybody in my fraternity, everybody at college called me either Suf or Sufi. I then went off to Amsterdam, where in Amsterdam, there were people I went to college with. They all called me Suf or Sufi. And only the people in New York don't call me Sue for Sufi. Everybody in college, everybody from Amsterdam. And uh, it does fit me, and I love it, and I would never have come up with it on my own. Yeah. Suf. Suf. Hi, Seth and Josh. My name is Layla. So firstly, I wanted to ask if both of you know something about the other person that no one else does, and what is it? And in the same line as that, can you do your best impression of the other I will say, I've been reading comments about this show, which are are very lovely. Um, There was one comment, and you can leave comments on on the podcast uh, apps wherever you listen to the show, and we do like reading them. Mostly positive. One did say, I'm super boring without my writers. This strike is crushing Seth Meyers. So... (laughs) But I feel like one thing that everybody says is we sound so much alike they can't tell us apart. It seems weird that anybody would ask us to do an impression of each other. Yeah. I feel like my impression would be sort of like based on your show. It'd be like, let's get to the news. (laughs) (laughs) So so super shitty. (laughs) (laughs) How's everybody doing? Let's get to the news. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, here's mine. Uh, I'd like to go to the Grand Canyon. I've only been to the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's always weird when people say, what is something nobody knows about you? Because I feel like that means you've lived your whole life trying not to let people know it about you. Yeah. I feel like I have something and I don't think it's that bad, but you might be like, hey. When it's over your answer, I'll either say we're leaving it in or we'll leave in me saying we're editing out what Josh said. So go ahead. We had a rabbit named Petey, and at mm-hmm. some point, Petey scratched you on the chest. Yeah. And then you got some weird growth that had to be removed. You got like yeah. a, a, a rabbit wart. Yeah. I don't, I don't think people know about that. <laughs> Does that not come up? Well, that, I mean, it feels like weird to bring up Petey and not tell the rest of the Petey story. Because uh-huh. maybe now that people know about the rabbit wart, they'll understand my next actions. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start and then you can pick it up. Okay, great. We had a rabbit, Petey. She was a girl. And rabbits smell bad. So she, we had a hutch in the garage. And she lived down in the garage. And I went to go check on her one day and, you know, give her some fresh food and water. And she was sleeping. And... It was so cute, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is adorable. And I'm little, and I go upstairs. I was like, you guys have to come see Petey. Like, she's sleeping. It's so cute. And everyone came down, and she was she was dead. Yeah. So you could take it from here if you'd like. Yeah. If you picked up Petey <laughs> and hit her against the floor, it would have sounded like an ice pick into the side of a glacier. <laughs> that is how dead Petey was. And... My dad then said to me, I'm guessing I was 13. Does that seem right to you, Josh? I want to make you a little younger because it would make me a little younger and I would be... Less dumb for thinking the rabbit was sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So my dad says to me, I don't like dead things. It was some version of that. My dad said, I don't like dead things. Will you bury Petey? So... That was the job that was given to me. I should note, one, I didn't have a great relationship with Petey. She had bestowed upon me a rabbit wart that I had to have surgically removed. But I did go into this trying to do my job, which was to go bury Petey. Right. We grew up in New Hampshire. It was the winter. 
New Hampshire is the granite state due to the fact that there's a lot of granite right underneath the frozen ground. I had Petey in a shoebox. I went into the backyard with a shovel and I spent probably less than an hour, but I'm going to give myself an hour of trying to dig a grave for Petey. And I could not even dig a shallow grave for Petey. I then made, I should know, Josh was beside himself. I didn't feel like this was a good time to walk inside and give them the bad news that there was no hole to be dug. And so I put Petey in the garbage. Also, she wouldn't fit in that shoebox, right? There was a lot wrong with the plan of how to bury Petey. <laughs> I think maybe that was why I didn't. Yes, because I came upstairs while you were crying, opened the door to the basement and said, I, she don't fit in the shoebox. <laughs> and you just <laughs> cried a lot more. So I, at this point, didn't want to give any more bad news about how the burial was going. Sure. So I then made a little mound of the dirt that I had managed to build up. Yeah. And uh, put Petey in the garbage. And there was a bit, there was a rock. There was a rock. There was a rock, a headstone, sort of. Yes. Yeah. I put on a show that this was where Petey was buried. And then you came out, we all came out, and you said a few words about Petey. Yeah. Over over this um, fake grave. Yeah. It was like a sled riding trail of ours, and we would always have to build up a snowbank so we didn't go over Petey's grave in the future. Yes. And so for years, this was the accepted narrative for what had happened, is that I had buried Petey. And then... I don't remember the evening. What I remember about it, it was one of the first nights where we were drinking with mom and dad. Like we were at the age. Yeah, it felt, I feel like it was 15, 20 years later. Yeah, it was a long time later. We were having wine with mom and dad. It was a genuinely great night. Yeah. And then I completely misread what everybody's <laughs> vibe was and said, you guys want to hear a really, you want to hear something really funny? So this, by the way, gets to the heart of what's something nobody knows about you. Because sometimes the thing people don't know about you, they should never know about you. Yeah. Because I told them a thing they didn't know about me. I feel like Petey came up in conversation. Yeah, it must have been. It wasn't out of nowhere. But Petey came up in conversation. I'm like, oh, you guys want to talk about Petey. Here's here's a really funny story. (laughs) It went over like a lead balloon. Yeah, you told essentially this story. You were like... I told this story like this and... I believe mom's response was, I say words over that grave to Petey every day. <laughs> no one w- thought it was funny in the moment. It was, it was, no one thought it was funny or gobsmacked. Cool. Gobsmacked. Yeah. Anyway, rest in peace, Petey. Rest in peace, Petey. You wart given <laughs> monster. <laughs> All right. Well, next question Josh, were you in the car with Seth when him and his friends ran over that moose? Also, on a similar note, uh, Seth, why do you have so many stories about animals dying? <laughs> wow, right that on was, the heels of was, the Petey story. Yeah, that's, that's kind of hard. It's very hard for me to be like, do I have a lot of stories about animals dying? <laughs> um, I was not with Seth for that, uh, that moose event. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I would have remembered it. It, sound, it sounded awful. Yeah, I was riding uh, with my two friends. Again, Greg Hendershon. Second name drop in this episode, and Andy Colmer. Andy was driving. I was riding shotgun. We were in New Hampshire where there's a lot of signage about mooses are going to cross here, and there's a lot of bumper stickers that say, break for moose, it may save your life. Yeah. Which I've always thought was not an instruction anybody needed. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you saw a moose, you'd do that anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a sign, like, don't go over a cliff. The fall will kill you. Yeah. Unless you're like the kind of dork who drives like an original Hummer and you're like, I'm going to take that moose down. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, a moose came out on the road and we couldn't, we tried to break and we hit the moose and uh, everybody was fine except for uh, the moose. The moose. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess the question is I would have is for the animal kingdom is why, why you keep, why you keep dying around me. Yeah. I'm not asking for it. It is really heartbreaking because it does now feel like I'm, I sort of have something against animals that we've had back-to-back stories. Yeah. I will say, to turn it towards me again, like recently, or maybe last year, I was home in New Hampshire and I was driving dad's car and a chipmunk ran out on the road and I tried to swerve to miss it. And I was like, I think I missed it. And then I drove home from where I was going and it was like, I had just, I had just gotten it and it was like laying on the ground. It was a 
perfect, beautiful chipmunk, but it was dead. And I, f- I felt terrible. And I felt terrible. Well, ter- maybe it was a different one. Maybe you did miss it. And then because you missed it, you gave that chipmunk an inflated confidence. Maybe after you, it just started going back and forth thinking. Because there is a school of thought with smaller animals that you should hit them rather than swerve because of what swerving could do. Yeah. But man, it was the darkest spot on my whole trip home that time that I, and I kept seeing this, this poor sweet chipmunk. Still there. <laughs> still they there. They, no, they can't bury it. <laughs> we used to find frogs all the time. And every yeah. frog we would find, we named Jimmy. Yeah. And there were also chipmunks that we would see when, like back when we were living in Michigan. And we would, in our little child brains, think it was always the same chipmunk. And we were like, mom and dad were like, we should name this chipmunk. And you were like, we should name it Rufus. And I Mm -hmm. said, no, we should name it Fabie because it's a baby. Drove me crazy. To this day, it drives me crazy. (laughs) Terrible name. And so every chipmunk for us is named Rufus Fabie. Every time, to this day, every time we see a chipmunk, my mom will go, oh, look, there's Rufus Fabie. And it still makes me so mad. It's so bad. It's so bad. We should name it Fabie because it's a baby. And I was like, no, just Rufus. Rufus is a great name. Rufus is a great name. Rufus is a great name. I wanted, before it was overruled because all our children had to have A names, I was pushing hard for Rufus. Yeah, it's a great name. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then it would have been fun because for the first couple years, at least, Rufus would have been a baby. (laughs) I mean, there's no way you would have been able to name a child Rufus without all of us calling it Rufus Faby. Rufus Faby. That's true. That's probably dodgeable. Forever. Yeah. Let's have our next one. Hi, Josh and Seth. My name's Rachel. And I actually am curious about your guys' trips to Pittsburgh. I know you talked a little bit about it on the podcast, but you more talked about the, the car ride there when your parents were on. I also grew up driving to Pittsburgh, but my car ride was usually 18 hours. We, we drove from Minneapolis to Pittsburgh with like me and my three older siblings and my parents. My dad grew up in Pittsburgh and he's from there. So we would go visit my grandparents and literally do like the Pittsburgh Incline from Annie Brothers. If we were lucky, we got to go to the Steelers training camp. So I want to hear what you guys did there growing up. Um, I think it's a great city. I think it's so nostalgic. It's so fun going there with like how much all the fans care so much about all the sports it's just like a great town so curious to hear what you guys did i think the podcast is amazing you guys are hilarious um i'm a huge fan we love pittsburgh and it is such a better city than its reputation to people who've never been there oh yeah people go and they're yeah they can't believe how pretty it is yep just whatever they've been told isn't right and my dad likes to say uh more bridges than venice Mm-hmm. Beautiful bridges everywhere. You know what? He actually doesn't like to say it. He just has to. He has to. It's true. Because <laughs> it's there true. There are certain things my dad has yeah. to say. The incline, we used to do that every time we were kids. The incline was a way of, I think, bringing steel workers down to a different part of the city. Yeah, from, is that Mount Washington above, maybe? It Mount Washington it's a funicular. It's a funicular. Yeah. And it's very short, and I feel like it was like five cents or something like that. Yeah. We used to go to the Pittsburgh Zoo. The Pittsburgh Zoo is a beautiful zoo. Uh, that was a thing uh, we would do uh, when we were kids. Uh, Permani Brothers is a very famous sandwich place where they put French fries on the sandwich. Uh, that was definitely a stop. And very sadly, uh, the original, which was maybe my favorite restaurant in the world, which made the best hot dogs I've ever had, uh, sadly closed during the pandemic. But that was a place we would always uh, stop as well. Yeah. I remember the original is the first place I ever saw Miss Pac-Man machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was it was really great. As now a vegan, I could say those were the best hot dogs ever. Yeah. And they like their recipe, you couldn't get them. Like dad's friend Denny owns restaurants. And I remember he tried to get the recipe because he wanted to serve those hot dogs because they were incredible. And whoever made them for them was like, nope. Like, and so now I hope I hope that hot dog recipe isn't lost to history. I've had uh, some great days in Pittsburgh, maybe one of the worst days I ever had was Josh and I went to the AFC championship game in 1995. We drove down from uh, Northwestern University. We drove to Pittsburgh, Three River Stadium, where the Steelers were upset by the San Diego Chargers. That was the most miserable ride home I've ever had. Yeah. We also drove from New Hampshire to Pittsburgh 
to sleep out overnight at Three River Stadium to get tickets yeah. for that game. And we slept in a tent in a parking lot to get tickets for a Steelers playoff game. And the thing I remember about that is I think I'm the biggest Steelers fan in the world. And when you spend a night sleeping in the parking lot of Three River Stadium, I realized I wasn't even close. Yeah. And the Rooney sent pizza to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. The Rooney family sent pizza. I want to say Kevin Green drove down to sort of like get people fired up. Hall of Famer uh, Kevin Green, rest in peace. A lot of our Pittsburgh trips now are, are built around uh, going to Steelers games. And uh, and we have a lot of cousins there. And it is genuinely a great city. And it makes me very happy to go there. I think recent years, we had uh, also very sadly passed away last year, Franco Harris, Steelers Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, we got to have dinner with him and his wife and his son, and so those are uh, really, you know, to grow up with your dad, always talking about how great the 70s Steelers were, uh, to have those moments where uh, we got to share that with him uh, was really cool. So uh, Pittsburgh forever yeah. is the best. Also, the great museums, the Warhol Museum, you know, obviously we didn't go to when we were kids because it wasn't there, but man, it's it's a fantastic it's a museum. museum. Yeah, love that city. And we went to a great vegan uh, restaurant last yeah, summer. Yeah, Polish there. vegan restaurant. Yeah, Sort of in a neighborhood, dad said he had kind of only driven by and not stopped in. And it's, yeah, it was great. So go Pittsburgh. Go Pittsburgh. We're rooting for you this year. We're hoping for the Super Bowl. More bridges than Venice. Yeah. Uh, All right, next question. Hi, Seth and Josh. I was wondering if your family had a classic soundtrack that you listened to during your family road trips. My family always listened to the Forrest Gump soundtrack, and I'm curious if your family had a tradition like that as well. I think it goes without saying we were a John, John Prine. Prine family. Yeah. Is the album just John Prine, John Prine? Yeah, the first the first John Prine album is John Prine, John Prine. He's sitting on a bale of hay, and it was my parents, when they were uh, young in Chicago, they would see him live, and that was just an album they play all the time, and... A few years ago, I do remember the night we just went home with mom and dad. We were staying there. Was it dad's 70th? Yeah, it was It was a birthday thing. And yeah, we were all there. And then after sort of the party that was out at a restaurant or something, we went home and just put on Prine and we're singing and laughing. Singing and so loud. Dogs were barking. Yeah. But we know, I would say, and again, when I say we know every word of that album, like probably 35%. <laughs> but... We sing it like we know every With word. the confidence and of 110%. With the confidence of 110%. And so that was it. I think John Prine, John Prine would 100% be the, the album of our youth. Yeah. To me, that was my sort of biggest loss in the, in the pandemic. Yeah. It was so sad to lose him. Yeah. And then like he had other albums, like The Missing Years sort of came and got us yep, as well. That's a great album. In Spite of Ourselves, his duet album is a- Oh my gosh. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you don't know John Prine, I would say, uh, check out John Prine. And I will say, you know, again, Jeff Tweedy, who does our, you know, our opening theme song, Wilco is very much feels like a, a John Prine from that tree of, of music. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sort of Americana, great stories. Yes. Great lyrics and not the best voice ever by any means, but man, what a voice and just like yeah. so much character. Yeah, you feel like you know him. Yeah, truly. Uh, so that's our, that, that was our soundtrack. We'll be back with more from our listeners right after this. Hey, Josh. Yes, Sufi. So uh, the other day, mom was at my house, and uh, she put her hand on uh, my shirt, and she said, this is a, such a soft shirt. I love a soft T-shirt. And you know what I said to her? What's that? Get your goddamn hands off me. You guys. <laughs> Support for today's episode comes from Marine Layer. It is the softest T-shirt mankind's ever made. It is really, truly incredible. I cannot stress it enough. And for a limited time, our listeners get an exclusive 15% off discount with the code TRIPS15 at marinelayer.com. Yeah, I was looking for a t-shirt to put on the other day, and so many of the t-shirts in my like t-shirt shelf in my closet weren't that sort of super soft thing I was looking for. I just I was about to have a cozy night on the couch with my fiance and then my fingers just touched that marine layer shirt and it was like this is exactly 
what I want right now. And I was sort of wondering why I have any t-shirts that aren't as soft as marine layer t-shirts because they're out there to be had. I think we can all admit the perfect tee can be hard to find. Look no further than Marine Layer for a limited time. Get 15% off with the code TRIPS15 at marinelayer.com. That's code TRIP15. TRIPS15. Don't do TRIP15. TRIP15, they come and take your house. TRIPS15 for 15% off your entire order at marinelayer.com. Saving your closet one shirt at a time. Hi, Seth and Josh. This is April. If you could go anywhere in the world that you haven't been yet, where would you go? Let us know. Thank you for that question. For me, it's Tokyo. Mm. I want to wait till the kids are a little bit older because I think that would be a really fascinating trip to do with kids. So number one on my list is, and just Japan in general. I think if we went all the way there, we wouldn't just do Tokyo, but that would be where I'd want to go. And yeah, I've still not been to Machu Picchu and would love to go. There's, you know, there are a couple hikes. There's there's a hike in Colorado, the Maroon Bells, that you can turn into like a, a three-night type of deal that's just been on my list. But I think Machu Picchu, and I have been to Tokyo, and you have been to Machu Picchu, I want to say, right? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I went. That's it. That's where I'd want to go. <laughs> Great question. A lot of places I'd like to go, but those are, those keep, those are sticky for me. All right, I think we have one more question. All right. Hi, Seth. Hi, Josh. I was wondering if there are any specific moments from past family trips or places you've gone that you want to take your kids as well, or any particular photos you think will be cute to recreate with your boys. Ooh, recreating photos. So I will say, there's a photo I'm very close to being able to recreate that I want to make for my in-laws. It is the jankiest photo in the world of my in-laws and uh, my wife and her two siblings. It's the five of them. It seems like it was taken at a Sears photo studio. Mm -hmm. They're all wearing denim pants, denim shirts, oh, yeah, and I've red suspenders. Yeah. And I don't want to blow it because I want to wait till the kids can actually do the poses right. of the Ash family kids. It's yeah, because it's hard to get all three of them to look at a camera at the same time. All three of them are never good at the same time. Yeah. But it's the worst photo that I love of any photo I've ever seen. And so I really, that I want to, I want to recreate that picture. And then I want to just replace it in the frame and see how long till someone notices. Yeah. <laughs> how old were Alexi, Ariel, and Tolia in that picture, would you say? Well, so that's the thing. Tolia, my brother-in-law, they adopted him when he was five. So he can't, he has to be older than five. Yeah. Probably seven. Okay. So you got some time. I've got some time. And then as far as our family, I don't know if there are any famous photos I'd want to recreate. I feel like we didn't do any photo shoots where it feels like the Ash family did a ton of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I, if I think about like, oh, I really want to do that one. But there's a picture of mom and dad on a party boat. Yeah, I know that picture. Yeah. And she's like got her leg kicked up. Yeah. She looks like a million dollars. Yeah. And they also look like they could be like a Vidal Sassoon ad. Yeah. Their hair is banging in that picture, both of them. We should get that photo out Yeah, for the world to see. Because it might be the moment they each look the best at the exact same time. Together, too. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's got the thickest, blackest mustache, long black hair. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he plays saxophone for Hall and Oates. Yeah, and and mom just yeah, mom looks incredible. And I, you know, I do love a party boat. And so if Mackenzie and I could were on a party boat and could somehow recreate that, and I'd I'd like to do that one. I will say a trip where I did recreate photos. One of my all time favorite movies is In Bruges. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love in Bruges very much, and I made Alexi go to Bruges with me. And over the course of the time we spent there, I had her recreate a bunch of scenes and take photos Did of it. Did she like and them? Then, you know what? It doesn't even matter <laughs> if she liked it, because here's why she's great. She then made a book. She got stills from the movie and the pictures we took and put them side by side. Yeah. And, and then I got to show that book to Martin McDonough, the director 
of In Bruges, uh, director and writer of In Bruges, and and uh, many other wonderful films. He's he's one of my favorite filmmakers, and it was great to have him look at it and realize how literally insane I am. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And In Bruges is a good visit. And let me tell you something else about In Bruges. 24 hours tops. That's all you need. Oh, yeah. For In Bruges. We went to Bruges, though, with mom and dad. And we went to a brewery. Do you remember we went to a brewery? Yeah. Where the beer was so high in alcohol content, they wouldn't give you more than two. Yeah. And so mom drank her two and then made dad get her a third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we were like, we were trying to play hearts in that bar and then we became sort of incapable of doing that yeah there was some some statue in some church that they wanted to go see but there was also a salvador dali exhibit and we went to that dali exhibit and if that stuff wasn't melting before it was melting because of those belgian very considerable beers also the uh the stairs were the slipperiest stone steps yeah, and they were like like a spiral stone staircase, and I I remember when we were standing at the top of it after Mom had had three Trappist beers that <laughs> this was probably the end of her, but she made it. She made it. Never underestimate Hillary Myers and her tolerance for alcohol. Yeah, uh, two hollow legs, two hollow legs. Hey, thank you uh, for all your wonderful questions. This yeah. was an absolute delight to hear from you. Thank you for listening and great stories, people. Great so, stories. Yeah. yeah. I think my favorite one was when the grandma fell out on the Audubon. Yeah. I was thinking he was just going to like tip into his grandma and she was she farted loud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I really did think a fart was coming and instead it was so much. Yeah. <laughs> so much more. All with that said, we don't know if she farted when she hit the ground because obviously the car was too far away to hear it. Right. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure every, when grandmas hit the ground, there's always, there's always a fart. There's a little fart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's listen before we go. Uh, we have some bonus uh, audio uh, from our biggest fans. I really think that your father was terrific on that uh, podcast you did with your mom and dad. And I thought your mom was a little bit harsh when she only gave your father a five out of 10. I, I thought that he was at least an eight or a nine out of 10. He seems like a very charming guy and a great storyteller. <laughs> Well, you got, he makes a good case. He does make a whoever, good case. Whoever that anonymous caller is. Yeah. I would also, as a quick mea culpa here, I gave Jake Tapper five out of 10 for staying on topic in terms of yeah. family stories. And then I, I listened to that episode and it was better than five out of 10. So yeah, I get that from from mom, I guess. I want all our guests to know that if you are kind enough to give us your time, Josh will judge you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. We got one more. Oh, we got one more. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we got one more piece of audio here. I am a huge fan of the podcast, <laughs> oh, especially the songs at the end. Hmm. I was wondering if there were plans afoot to make a compilation podcast of all of those great songs. Anyhow, keep up the good work. Love you guys. <laughs> I really want to stress, we did not explain to mom and dad offline how to leave these messages. So the very fact that they listened and figured out how to record voice notes for a podcast is, is shocking to me. Maybe they've been dropping voicemails via speak pipe into podcasts left and right, and we just haven't, haven't heard them. Yeah. yeah. Although the only thing I would say that makes that unlikely is they, after listening to a few of ours, they said to you, we like podcasts. What are other ones? <laughs> <laughs> and then I told them a couple and dad was like, I've heard that one. Then he was like, make me a list. <laughs> they want so many lists. Yeah. They want so many lists. Oh, man. I do think at some point, Josh, we do have to maybe do a Sweet 16 type situation where we let our listeners vote on a best song so far. Yeah, sure. Of the guests. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a favorite so far that you've done? I think the Timothy Oliphant is my yeah. favorite thus far. We should note he didn't he didn't leave it on Speakpipe, but Timothy uh, left me a voicemail saying he was a big fan of his song. Yeah. So, that's always nice. I'll take, I like that positive feedback. Keep at it. I really, my favorite thing about this podcast is how much harder it is for you than me. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be stressful. Because you have to write a new song every week. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. Um, and everybody who left a message, I hope this is okay, Josh. Everyone who left a message, Josh is going to write you a song. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one, everybody. All right. Bye. Well, John's driving home And the station wagon Looks like Summer's reached its end The car was just packed Seven kids in the back And then That's when they went Around the bend The grandma fell Out the door Maybe granny won't come On vacation